0: Welcome everybody to a Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio, the mobile version as it's been for almost a year. I'm your host, John Harris, alongside the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. Mark, as I bring you into the show, do you know what you were doing a year ago on this Friday? Maybe not the exact Friday, but pretty darn close. Johnny, were we uh, returning from
1: Indianapolis and having a wonderful meal at – Yes. What is the place called again?
0: Harry and Izzy's.
1: Harry and Izzy's Harry at the and airport. Izzy's. I mean, they have a good one at the airport. That, you know, Indy is way more fun than people realize. We've talked about this. Like, I think the Indianapolis Convention and Visitors Bureau should – you know, pay a little debt to Texans Hmm. radio because we pumped up that city is, you know, when Texans fans traveling, Texans want to go to see a Texans game in another city. I mean, Nashville's obviously great. That speaks for itself. Jacksonville can be sneaky. Good. And certainly Indianapolis is way sneaky. Good. It's a good place to go see a game and they have a lot of other events there. Uh, Obviously they have the 500 there and they've got good restaurants.
0: They do have good restaurants. We're missing them all this week, and you're exactly yep. right. Here's the last part of your trivia question. On the okay. way out of our, uh, our dinner date, if you will, last year, we saw a couple people going out that were very, very important. Do you remember who they are as we were walking out last year? We saw Eric Winston and Damaris Smith. That was a year ago, huh? Yeah. And they were, they were
1: talking about the new CBA and Mm -hmm. it wasn't done yet. Right. It wasn't done, but they were there and they were very nice. We met DeMaurice Smith. Winston was great. Introducing both of us to him. I'd never met him before. I'd seen him up close a bunch of times, but uh, that was very cool. It was great to see Eric and I'm so happy they got that deal done. I think it was a great deal for both parties. And I know that with COVID they adjusted a lot of things for 2020 and I think 2021, uh, they're gonna have to just adjust some more things. Like we don't even know what the off-season program really looks like right, right now. I know everybody wants answers, but we don't have them yet.
0: Right. Absolutely. And we didn't have a combine, which is sad. Very sad because to your point, Indianapolis. I think I remember going to Indianapolis the first time in '14. It was my first trip down on the sidelines there, and I just remember walking around going, "Man, this place is great." And they're gonna play the entire NCAA. Basketball tournament, March Madness, there in Indianapolis at, I think, four or five different gyms. How many ever different gyms they have? Uh, One over at Uwe Pooey. They've got uh, the Pacers, uh, former Market Square. I can't remember what it's called. We even saw a game there. Um, I can't remember what it's called. But they're going to do it all right there. I'm very curious how this all goes. But I'll just be glad to see March Madness uh, come on back. That will be fun. That is a city where you can
1: do that. And the downtown area – is kind of like a bubble unto itself, Yes. right? Yes. And the Pacers' new gym is a fantastic facility. I mean, Toyota Center is fantastic. This is fantastic in a different way. Every bit of architecture, sports-wise, in Indianapolis seems to have a little tribute to Hinkle Fieldhouse. Has that kind of fieldhouse look to it? uh, And that certainly does. Lucas Oil Stadium does. And I bring this up whenever we talk about this stuff. The Market Square Arena old floor is at ooey-pooey in their recreational Mm -hmm. facility. And, you know, Johnny, I go there and do a a hoop pickup game every year. I did one last year uh, there, and, you know, I'm playing with, like, people considerably younger than me (laughs) trying to hang in there with them and they're like who is this guy but I you know I hang in there I get rebounds I pass a lot I shoot very little and I just try to fit in Uh, but it's pretty cool to see that floor you see Market Square Arena and I I, somewhere on my social media feeds I have that but it's always an enjoyable time and you know hats off to Indianapolis because to have the NCAA tournament there uh, we want to see it we all want to see that TV show which is what it is for most of us
0: and I think that's a good place to do it. Yeah, it's a great place. Banker's Life Fieldhouse. I had to think about that for a second. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Banker's a beautiful, beautiful facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was really fun. We got a chance to see a game when we went to the combine there. But no combine this year. A lot of pro days, and we'll probably talk about those pro days. And the impact of them who can go, what we'll be able to see, that'll be kind of fun to watch uh, as time permits down the road. We're also going to hear from Casey Keeler, Head coach, Sam Houston State. They open the season tomorrow, which just seems weird to say. They were supposed to start it last week against Incarnate Word. However, because of the weather, they pushed everything back a week. And I had a chance to talk to Casey about moving to the WAC, the season this year. So we'll Mm -hmm. have that interview for you. And yours truly will be calling that game for Sam Houston State against Southeastern Louisiana. So we'll have that later in the show. But, Mark, there is a ton of news. Wait, wait, wait. Yes. wait you're,
1: bear, you're bearing, not the lead, but you're bearing part of the headlines here. Your game that you're going to call with yes. Sam. Yes. What's it on? Where can we see oh, it tomorrow? ESPN Plus. It's going to be on ESPN, ESPN Plus. Plus.
0: Yes. See, oh. if
1: I plug my TV into my toaster, I get ESPN Plus. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a... Right. Uh, but, no, like, so many college games are on ESPN+. Plus, yeah. That's cool. I'm going to check it out, Johnny. I can't wait. You know, it's very cool to be able to watch football this time of year. Yeah. This time of year, last year, of course, we had the XFL for 15 minutes until they had to suspend the season due to COVID. So I'm looking forward to seeing you in action tomorrow calling Sam Houston.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, FCS games are all there on ESPN+. Plus. It's really, really, really cool. And weird. So, I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be kind of an odd, different sort of thing. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. Sam against Southeastern Louisiana. Uh, and they've got some players for Sam uh, that – one of them, I almost put in the Harris 100. But then Casey told me he's actually coming back to play in 2021 in the fall so he can be ready cool. for the draft in 2022. That being Zion him a corner. But that's for down the road. The current situation, Mark, I almost feel like I can just read – off the Twitter timeline of things that have happened. But we'll kick it off, really, with our gut reaction. Get yours, and then I'll I'll build on top of it. Two moves officially made today. I don't know that I was completely surprised by either one, but newsworthy nonetheless because these guys both started. One guy started every game from 2018 on, and one guy came to Houston and really, I think, found his way – with the houston texans although a lot of people wanted to see him do a little bit more starting center nick martin and running back duke johnson we just talked about running backs the other day both those players now released which is key released versus waived they don't have to clear waivers because they're vested veterans but those two players released nick martin and duke johnson mark your gut reaction to that news
1: well, I know a lot of people on the outside have commented that, you know, Martin could have been more for this team, could have done more for this team. Johnny, uh, truth be told, I am not the greatest evaluator of offensive line talent. I could tell <laughs> when someone gets, you know, whipped, you know, someone is a block or whatever. Uh, but, and also that we talked about it the other day, I was joking about it, the movement of the line of scrimmage, you know, you're not moving people out of the way well enough for these yes. guys to run through these holes that you're supposed to make. But Martin clearly did not. Rise to the level that they envisioned, because when O'Brien, you know, and I know that we've had changeover in GM and everything, but O'Brien really liked Nick Martin, and the yes. idea is that Martin's going to play for a decade, right? Yep. And he's just going to be the guy for so long, and you're, he's your anchor, and he's there, and he's you can count on him day in, day out. I know everybody. It's funny with offensive linemen because. Uh, not that they only make one mistake per game, but if you make a big mistake and everyone sees it, particularly a center like that snap, the bad snap to Watson late in the Colts game, everyone remembers that, you know, I got to imagine, I'm not watching the evening news tonight, but that highlight or low light is going out a little bit on some of the stations like this is Nick Martin. So good riddance, but look, Martin did some things for this team. I know this last season was horrible, uh, but the two years prior were division titles had a playoff win, had some moments, okay, during his time here. Remember his rookie year, he didn't play because he got hurt, so he IR'd. Greg Mance actually had to play center, did a pretty decent job doing it. Uh, But my gut reaction is, all right, here we go. You know, you're going to see some – not that that's a surprise like you said, but you're going to see some cuts here, and they're not nearly done. Get ready. Buckle up. There are going to be a lot of cuts, a lot of names you know – will be released from this team, and they're going to try to improve this roster in a hurry.
0: Okay, you want to hear my uh, – John Harris is not the GM, but a move that I might consider as a GM would make. Okay. I I always give you those. Sure. And it's off the wall, kind of, sort of. Oh, I like that, though. I get on the phone. I get on my phone, and I call up Max Sharping, and I say, Max, this is John, and I make it very simple – Learn how to snap because when you come back, you're going to be our center. Thank you. Bye. See you, see you in July. And hang up. That's what I would do. I would make Max Sharping learn how to play center. Now, he's dabbled with it the last couple right. of years. We've seen him take second-team reps at center, even third-team You know, third team reps, whatever, after he's done his work uh, at guard. I think you could put Max Sharping. Max Sharping, to me, just from a cerebral standpoint, just how smart he is, how much he understands. Getting everybody to the right page, communicating with quarterbacks uh, and everybody that he needs to communicate with, I think Max Sharping might not be a terrible option at center. Now I say all that, given the fact that hey look, Zach Fulton's still on the roster. Zach Fulton has played center before, and maybe that's the thought that maybe Zach steps over at center. either yeah. way, I would think they've we've got to be better at that particular position and Maybe the thought is, look, maybe if one of those guys could take over at center, then maybe it's, I don't want to use the word easier, but maybe you can find some younger guys to play guard, as you did with Max Sharping, that you can put them in there. And yeah, there's a lot to learn, but maybe that's a little bit easier of a transition than taking a guy to play center and have him handle all the line calls, work with the quarterbacks, all that. And look, there are some good young players that I think in this draft could step in and give them a lot at center. They can also play guard. Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma plays center, but he can also play guard. Quinn Myers from Wisconsin-Whitewater, play guard, has also shown he can play center. Those guys I think would be great fits for this organization at one of those interior positions. But I would take Max Sharping and I would move him over to center and I would rock on and let him be the guy for the next how many ever years.
1: Well, that would be cool because you spent a second-round pick on him, yes. and I think the sad thing about Martin getting cut is, it's an admission that. And look, I know everything's changed over—new coach, new GM, and everything—but it's an admission that we just didn't get it right here in Houston on the old line, right? Yep. That the greatest line in the history of the team, which was that vaunted five—you know—we talk about with the 2011 season with with Dwayne, and, and we just mentioned Eric Winston uh, in a different context, and. You had Chris Myers at center, yep. and you had the two guards. You had Wade Smith. You had Mike Brisell. and that was the greatest line they had, and they were able to stick together for uh, the better part of three or four seasons for the most part uh, and play well and pave the way for Foster and everything they did in that system. We just haven't seen the Texans be able to come close to that. You know, they were – It looked like they were getting closer, but, you know, last year things slipped away. I mean, I know I said the other day that, you know, they they blocked for the leading passing attack in the NFL this past year. But, okay, that's that's okay. You know, you cut down on some sacks, but you had a quarterback who could get away from the sack as well and got rid of the ball better and protected the ball better. Uh, and they weren't able to run the ball at all uh, yeah. under O'Brien uh, in the, in the good years, when you look at, you know, 14, 15, 16, and then uh, 18 and 19, they ran the ball. Okay. You know, yeah. and, and sometimes better than others, but they ran the ball. Well, uh, it was a commitment and they did it all right, but they never, they never got the combo they wanted. They kept on trying and trying and trying and they haven't gotten there. And that's what's sad to me. And you're talking about drafting players and everything. It's too bad because we talked about the tackles, And the interior just needed work. Um, And by work, we're seeing part of that with the release of Nick Martin, Johnny, tell me quickly though, because it's, it's hard for people to visualize and me too, for that matter, Sharping alternated at guard this year, right? There was a little bit of a platoon going on uh, for lack of a better way of describing it, the struggle or whatever the challenge was for him to stay in there full time at guard. How does that affect his ability to play center? I mean, you have to handle that action up the middle if you're the center. Sure. Uh, never mind the the quarterbacking aspect of being the center on a, a five-man line where you're supposed to be the straw that stirs the drink.
0: Quite frankly, with Max, I feel like he lost his confidence. If you want, mm-hmm. if you want the honest truth, I feel like he lost his confidence. And when uh, Sneil Calamete stepped in there, he did a decent job. It was okay. Then Max came in the last few games, and you could see him kind of working through some things that he may have worked through earlier in the year. But they decided that they were going to move on. Max did some things early in the season that were kind of um, odd in some sense given Max. Like uh, one thing that uh, that Drew and I talked about, in the Baltimore Ravens game, there's a key play in that game where we I can't remember how much we were down. But if we scored on this drive, we're, we're kind of back in the ballgame. And Brandon Cooks broke open on a deep, deep over route, And it looked like Deshaun was going to throw the ball that way. But Max stepped the wrong way, literally went the wrong way. And the reason I know this is when I went back and I watched the play, he watches the guy go, and that guy, I think it was Brandon Williams, gives Deshaun, you know, some grief. Makes a move, he can't make the throw. Max turns to Nick, and I can see Nick kind of put his hands up, like, and he points in a direction, and Max points in the other direction. And then Wait, Nick he? kind of puts his hands up as if to say, No, you went the wrong direction. I see Max like drop his head, like, ah, I messed up. Those are the kind right. of things Max never did wrong. And I think it just sort of got in his head a little bit, and he lost his confidence, and hopefully he'll get it back before year three. Are you
1: telling me Nick Martin did a LeBron meme? to yes, J.R. Smith kind of thing. Like, yeah,
0: what? Kinda, Look. Kind yeah. uh, of, kinda, those, uh, kinda like yeah. Kind of like that. Um, yeah. I will give Nick credit because after Max kind of put his head down, Nick kind of put his arm around and pat him on the head like, it'll be all right. But really, that was a play that needed to be made. And it's just something that Max just didn't do as a rookie. He just, he just doesn't do. Those are things he, um, you know, his MA, ME, however you, you say, miss assignment, miss uh, mental error, whatever, he – you know, was really good as a rookie. Got in his head a little bit. I thought he came back and fought when he got back in the lineup the last few games of the year, did some good things. I just think at center, I think he can handle guys at center maybe a little bit more face-up than Nick can. He's he's bigger, he's thicker. I think he pushed people off the ball. I think he's a little quicker than people give him credit for, too, because he plays guard. I just think he's got to get his confidence back. But I want my guards to be – I want my guards to be 325, 330 pounds, and they mash. They mash. That's what I want to do. I want to run the football. And we got to do it a little bit better, but we're not going to have Duke Johnson to be able to do it. Mark, one other piece of news that came out, Aaron Wilson also tweeted that amongst this news that we got today with the running backs, a lot of people have asked about David Johnson. It looks like the Texans will try to work something out with David Johnson to bring him back but lower his cap number for 2021, what's your gut reaction to that one?
1: Well, look, the last three games of the year, David Johnson started to come alive, right? Averaging 130 yards from scrimmage, he had the Hundy plus in the receiving effort against what was it, the Colts on the road, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the last couple of games, over 100 against who was the second to last game, the Bengals, Bengals. and then about what 84 somewhere in the mid 80s against the Titans. So. It seemed like something started to click for him and for that O-line as they went to a different blocking scheme and the the back production uh, running game was coming around a little bit more. He was coming around. You could see what they were thinking with David yes. Johnson. So I'm wondering if that's what they're thinking right now. Like That is kind of what we're going to get here uh, with David Johnson in 2021. I don't know. Obviously, we got to see it to have it come true. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this though. If David Johnson's part of this football team, they are not putting all their eggs in that basket. I know Duke is gone now, but there will be other options at back. It's not gonna be David Johnson's our guy, and you know, look, you mentioned it when we went over the running back position. This is a by committee kind of position in this league on most teams. You know, Derrick Henry got it. Okay, you know, you have certain backs around the league you know, Dalvin cook who carry the bulk of that mail for their franchise. I think here, it's going to be a little bit different. They're going to find other options in addition to him, presuming that that report is true, that they want to work something out because you could see if they released him, they'd save a chunk of money on the cap. And obviously they're saving a little chunk with Duke. I like Duke. I mean, what's not to like Duke's a very likable guy. They acquired him for a third round draft choice. They needed him that, off or that preseason that training camp when every back was getting hurt they had to do something they got him then they eventually got Carlos Hyde look that year worked out to be a pretty good year Hyde with over a thousand Duke the complimentary player they had something good going on there and you know they went to the divisional round which I know was not enough for anybody but you look back on that right now and you're saying I enjoyed going to the playoffs you know (laughs) I know I know it didn't end well Yeah. But I enjoy winning during the regular season, like winning more than you lose in the journey. And then you get in and then you're wondering who you're going to play. And then you play them. And if you win that one, then you know, we all know what it's like and you should never take those moments for granted because this team, like I said, Johnny, has not had back-to-back losing seasons in 15 years. And that's on the ropes right now. You know, they know it. And I don't think they think of it that way. You know, they just want to start winning, but This is going to be very tough, you know, to
0: to put that kind of campaign together, and I'm really hoping they can do it. No doubt. To be able to put together a non-losing season, the secondary is going to have to play much better. Mark and I take a dive into our position analysis, day number six, next, right here on Texas All Access. Welcome back to this Friday edition of Texas All Access. John Harris here, Mark Vandermeer there. And Mark, we teased the defensive backs going into this segment. It's our positional analysis that we have been going through. Now, if we did this a couple years ago, we would have talked about, you know, OGs like Kareem Jackson, Jonathan Joseph. We don't have those players anymore. In fact, We don't have a good number of those players anymore, and there are a number in this group that, as I look at our lads, they do it in red, and red means free agents. Mm Garyon Conley, Vernon Hargraves, Michael Thomas, Phillip Gaines. Mark, I'm going to go on record right now and say that of all the roster construction that goes on, this is the one to me – now, take – Quarterback is always just a different story altogether, but this group right here needs a major, major upgrade in personnel, and it is going to go through the roster ringer. We just saw the other day, Cornell Armstrong is coming back, I think on a one-year deal. Bradley Roby is also under contract. I think it's one year remaining. I believe I could be wrong. I I think he's got one year remaining on that deal he signed. It was a three-year deal he signed a couple years ago. So, Mark, what is first of all your gut reaction to what I said about the secondary, and then secondly, how do you think the Texans go about attacking this secondary going forward?
1: Johnny, you're right. This is the position group that's getting the most. You mentioned those names. I mean, six guys who played a bunch and. I'm going to throw Gary and Conley in there as somebody who yeah. should have played because he was penciled in to play, but he got hurt. Six guys are some kind of free agent, whether it's restricted or unrestricted, right? right? But Cornell has already been re-upped, so he's back. Yep. Of the other players, I can't tell you with any certainty that any one of these guys will be back, right? You have a new coach coming in here to coach the defense. You still have the same secondary coach that we know about, Danton Lynn, right? So you're going to go like that. I haven't seen any reports on Dan being changed out. But when I look at the secondary here, I'm thinking, yeah, you're going to get some major fortification draft free agents. I think you got to sign two free agents here uh, that, and look, you could pick a spot, certainly a corner, but maybe a safety too. And, You you know, you talk about a player like Eric Murray last year. They signed a deal prior to the season. Great. But this is Nick Casario's Texans right now. What does he think of the situation? You know, who does he envision playing back there? Who does Lovey want? Because, you know, they're talking to him as well. And Lovey being out of the league for a while is, I don't want to say it's a big concern for me. I, I think it's an interesting element of all of this because he's got to get reacquainted and you could say, well, you coached at Tampa now No, listen, that's ancient history right now. The league rotates very quickly. If you've been yes. out of the league two years, you missed a ton of stuff. I'm sure O'Brien, uh, when he got back after coaching at Penn State for two years, was thinking, oh, man, look at all the players that left the league since yeah. I've been in the NFL. So there's going to be a lot of work done here. It's so difficult to predict. But I would say that you're going to get at least a couple of first. Now, it might not be marquee-busting names, But first wave, free agents, I would say two. And by the first wave, I mean March, okay? Yes. Maybe early April. And the second wave, I don't know what they do there because those are – often they can contribute, but those are not exactly going to create major headlines on SportsCenter. But i got to see at least that and go draft here because I don't know – I still don't know if John Reed can play, right? He was a rookie last year from Penn State. We didn't see enough of him. We don't know if he can play uh, in the secondary, maybe special teams. Keon Crossing, good special teams player. Is he going to play in the secondary for this team? I don't know. I, I just think they have a this is the position group that needs the most attention.
0: Yeah, and I think from that that aspect, it's almost, it's almost kind of a blank canvas. Mm-hmm. You know, you got Justin Reed back there. I think we've all seen Justin can play. I think the last – I think it was that Patriots game where Justin, you know, coming off that, that tough Browns loss, and Justin was like, you know, I, I got to make up for the way that I was playing. And from that point on, before he got hurt, man, he was exceptional. Mm-hmm. The next three or four games, he was outstanding. And then got hurt, unfortunately, in the Bears game. And then the next couple of weeks, secondary, just, you know, it really, it really struggled at that point. I thought Keon Crossan showed something that he should be in the mix, he can run. I think he should be in the mix. The other night I asked you about free agents. William Jackson, the Cincinnati Bengals, and you said yes to that. Other cornerback free agents, you did say yes to that. Okay. Um, Richard Sherman, no, I don't think that's what you're going for. No. Desmond King is more of a nickel. Mike Hilton was a guy that we both said yes to, yes. even though he is not a big guy, but, man, he plays he plays big. Let's be honest with that. You got Shaquille Griffin, thought that he's going back to the Seahawks. Um, He is a free agent. Troy Hill with the L.A. Rams, kind of a longer, thinner corner. uh, Shinobi Awuzie from the Cowboys, also free agent. And Brian Poole, who's more of a nickel, uh, slash safety in his corner. But those are the guys that are listed in PFF's top 50 free agents. Here's the one to me that's a little bit of a curveball. But I really, first of all, I would love the player. I just don't know if I can do it, and that is JC. Jackson, who is phenomenal with the Patriots, but I believe he's a, he's a restricted free agent. So I believe that it would cost you some draft picks to get him, and then mm-hmm. you'd have to sign him to your contract. that might be that might be rough to do. But going to your point of Nick Casario bringing in players that he would like, I know that's a guy I would like. He is as good a cover guy and has been phenomenal for the Patriots playing opposite Stephon Gilmore. He has been excellent. Oh, and by the way, J.C. Jackson goes out and gets the football. Mark, if there is anything that we need this group to do, more so than any, at any other time that I can remember, this group of DBs has got to go get the football three interceptions all year. Roby had one. Hargraves had one. J.J. Watt had one. The defensive backs accounted for two interceptions all year. They've got to find guys, whether it's those names I mentioned or others, a couple of names we mentioned that are still here, or players they bring in through the draft. They've got to find guys that find the football And bring it back and hand it to David Culley on the sideline because they better turn teams over in the back end or it's going to be even longer of a year uh, than it was last year.
1: Yeah, look, that's unacceptable. That number I was talking with Paul Allen, our buddy from uh, Minneapolis, the boys of the Vikings. I was on his show and he and he asked me what the biggest deal was about last year. And I said, not being able to run the football, not being able to take the ball away. All right. So like stopping the run was a problem too, but you know, you can cover up for so much. Yep. It's like a quarterback that throws a bunch of touchdown passes. You know, that helps, covering up some of the blemishes on offense uh, and obviously it helped this team cover up some of the uh, with the passing yards to cover up some of the deficiency on the ground game but the point is this you can cover up a lot of defensive deficiencies by getting takeaways the ultimate example of this was 2009 with the with the New Orleans Saints who had a bazillion takeaways but they weren't that great on defense they just took the ball away was that an opportunistic thing was it a luck thing I don't think it's a luck thing I think teams create their own luck yeah you do get some lucky bounces if you get four or five of them a year that's huge that would have put this team in double figures at least they didn't get it they got to do some things I mean I'm I am still curious by the way about John Reed going into year two he didn't get a lot of playing time and you mentioned Cross. And look these but you gotta add you gotta add to the equation and I think Justin Reed can be a real good safety on a real good defense the question is are you going to be able to build a real good defense quickly here and it'll be interesting to see them put it together. The next two months are going to be huge.
0: Yeah, no question. And you're right. I think also guys have to fit, too. You know, last year with not having Gary on Conley. That forced Vernon Hargraves to move inside. Well, then that took away opportunities for John Reed because he's probably going to be inside. Um, and it moved it moved Vernon Hargraves. He had to play outside. Uh, and John Reed should have been inside. But yeah, things get moved around because of injury and you didn't have the depth. I think you're right. I think it's two free agents, a couple of draft picks, two or three undrafted guys, if not more. And you just throw as much paint up on a canvas because really the canvas right now is Justin Reed, maybe some Lonnie Johnson and, and John Reed and the rest and, and Bradley Roby and hope he's going to be around. And then you try and figure it out from there. But that is a group that's got to take a massive, massive step. No doubt about that. Now, one group that's taking a big step tomorrow that's the Sam Houston State Bearcats. They're playing their first game of the 2020 season, Move to the spring of 2021. They'll play Southeastern Louisiana top 20 team. I'll talk to Casey Keeler about that and moving to the WAC next right here on Texans All Access. We're one to segment of this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans radio studio. I am John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans, and I will be, doing the game analysis for tomorrow's game. Sam Houston State taking on Southeastern Louisiana. Sam Houston State, Ballad of Woods, been a big, great partner of ours. Also going to move to the WAC in the future. I had a chance to catch up with Casey Keeler a little while back and talk about this team this year, what they've been going through, and then the move to the WAC in the future. So let's rock with head coach Casey Keeler of the Sam Houston State Bearcats. Coach, it's been a little while since I've seen you, man. How are you
2: doing, my friend? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, getting excited for uh, upcoming season. Uh, excited about a uh, new conference uh, next uh, fall. So a lot of things happening at Sam Houston State.
0: Yeah, Coach, we're going to talk about that new conference affiliation. That's really cool stuff. But I got to ask you, because I know you've been around ball all your life. I grew up a coach's kid. I've been around ball all my life. When it comes to fall, you just know football should be played. How tough was it for you personally to get to the fall and not have football? Look, we do understand the safety of COVID, all that kind of stuff. But just from that standpoint of not having a game on a Saturday and what you're used to, how tough has that been? And how tough was it this fall to go through that?
2: Yeah, you, you know, you almost feel like you're a little lost. Like you're trying to make your way because there's a rhythm to the fall. You yeah. know what Saturdays are. Yeah. And then you know what Sundays are. You know, there's a rhythm to our, our, our weeks, and, um, you know, not having that rhythm was hard. Uh, also, just dealing with all the issues of, you know, COVID and, and contact tracing, and then trying to recruit a class without letting them come on campus. I mean, we, if, even if they were on campus, we weren't allowed to see them because we had some players come on campus to see, the, you know, the campus, you know, through yeah. tours and things, and, hey, coach, I'm on campus. I can't see you. So it was just a strange way of doing business, like a, a little bit of a new normal for us. But uh, we thought we had a great recruiting class. And I think the things that we did in the fall uh, prepared our kids for the spring coming up. Um, you know, some of the trials and tribulations that some other programs have gone through. You know, talking to the guys at Alabama, Kyle Flood was my offensive line coach. He's now at Texas. Yeah. You know, and talking to Danny, who was with me here at Sam Houston as the coordinator of Georgia along with North Carolina, yeah. just kind of like picking their brains. How did you for survive the season? And the mantra was all the same from all three. It was your kids are going to go to school, your kids are going to play football, and they're going to hang with their roommates, not their teammates, yeah. which is so strange yeah. because in our world, it's all about the camaraderie and then those bonds. And now you're telling the guys, hey, stay away from each other. You know, and if you're in the car together, make sure you have your masks up. Yeah. And so it's been it's been interesting. You know, they they get tired of hearing me talk about the bubble and COVID <laughs> and all those kind of things. But um, I've warned them. I said, you know, let's not get fatigue on this because we've not you know, gotten through this yet. And if we want to have a season and the great thing about Sam Houston, we've made a commitment, yeah. you know, to, to have this season. You know, we need to do all the right things.
0: Yeah, no doubt, and Coach, having gone through it with the Texans, you're right, you hit on a big thing, the exhaustion factor, because of just the things you constantly have to think about that everyday life, you don't really have to think about, but you're 10 days away, you're getting ready, uh, starting off with Incarnate Word, I believe, how do you feel about this year's team, which would have been the fall of 2020, but is the spring of 2021, how do you feel about the squad you have coming up this year?
2: Yeah, I thought that, you know, the whole key was us going to be, you know, rebuilding the offensive line. Um, You know, if you look at the kids we have back, and we have great skill kids back, and we've added a couple. Uh, You know, we thought Schmidt is an All-American level quarterback, you know, when he's healthy. He looks great out there. It just, can we rebuild that offensive line? And I feel pretty good that we have some pieces of the puzzle there, just a matter of figuring out who the best five are any one time. Um, You know, we have an All-American punter back. Um, You know, we have a Front line defense, you know, a front four that's as good as any as there is in the country. Some great kids in the back end, Jalen Thomas, the McCullum twins. So you know, and for me, there are so many players on this team that really deserve the redshirt year. Yeah, and you just couldn't give it to them because you're trying to win ball games. Yeah, you know, the twins both, you know, they played as true freshmen.
0: Yeah,
2: Jalen Thomas, I always say might be the best freshman I've ever coached. He played as a true freshman. So you had all these guys that could use a, a redshirt year, and now they're going to get that redshirt year. And so I think it's going to be great for them for, for next fall. But, you know, the great thing about what we're doing right now, the plan is that there's going to be a championship. Yeah. And that's why Sam Houston decided not to play in the fall. And, you know, I think we, we thought playing money games in the fall wasn't the right direction for us. It was really more, hey, there's a championship out there on the line. If there's one, we want to go get that if we can. So yeah. that's been our mentality. I think our kids are, have appreciated that. And, you yeah, we're like 10 days out now.
0: Yeah, you and I have talked uh, a million times about a million different things, as, as I've called a number of your games. And, you know, I'm a big fan of the McCollum Twins. Uh, I love Zion. I think he's got uh, NFL abilities. And over the years, you and I, from the first time that you and I talked, I remember coming to see a guy by the name P.J. Hall. I watched him, and I was just enamored with him, and I used to tell you, man, I would love him with us. Well, he finally ended up with us, with the Houston Texans, and had a really good, solid season before he was injured. Coach, what was it that you saw in P.J. Hall that you saw translate into his year this year with the Houston Texans and really made kind of a mark for us? He was one of our better interior defenders, if not the best one we had.
2: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. When we got to Sam Houston, they are redshirting P.J., And P.J. was on the offense with the tight ends for a period of time as Kyle Sigler, the tight ends coach, was trying to figure out, okay, which one of these guys I'm going to take? He ended up taking a guy named Rogan Henderson, who had a phenomenal career for us. Um, And P.J. went over to defense. And so my defensive line coach, Phil Petit, came in. He was with me at Delaware and actually at Rowan University. So Phil had been with me every place I'd been. And after the first practice, he goes, I don't think anyone knows how good this kid could be. <laughs> and, you know, at the time, I think P.J. was about six one and a half, about 235. And over time, know, well, we grew him into about 275. And then finally his junior year, I realized he was a next-level kid. Like, he was special. Yeah. And, and I was like, you know, the problem is if you do want to play at the next level, you're not a defensive end. You know, we need to put 25, maybe 30 pounds on you, and you need to go play inside. He didn't blink. Yeah. He's like, okay, coach, if that's what you think we need to do. I said, it's going to be the best thing for Sam Houston. It's also going to be the best thing for you. And then he put the weight on and, you know, I mean, he came, became a real, you know, inside guy. And uh, I thought it just was like, not that the Raiders were the wrong fit, but, you know, sometimes I always said about this about Flacco. Joe was a guy that it was good that he went to the Ravens or to philadelphia or to a new york team you know family's so important to him and you know just having them in close proximity i think it's the same thing with pj i think pj coming back to texas was a perfect fit because how close family is to him and uh, again it it was great to see him play very well um you know for his time there with the texans unfortunately had that you know peck injury but you know he sounds like he's ready to go
0: Coach, you mentioned it early in our discussion, the new conference affiliation, the WAC. And for people of my demographic, your demographic, when we hear the WAC, the first thing we think about is, oh, man, Wyoming, BYU, the shootouts, all that kind of thing. And I kind of have that soft spot for the WAC, and that's where you guys are going. Tell me about your thoughts. Give me your thoughts, if you don't mind, about making – that transition and how it benefits not only the football program but the whole university, of Sam Houston State.
2: Yeah, when I hear the whack, I think of Boise State. Yeah, because Joe Blameyer was a walk on for me, and his dad was the athletic director at Boise State. That's right. Yeah, blue turf. Yeah. you know, yeah. taking it from basically a Division two, II, three program to where it is now, and Joe actually just uh, was in the Super Bowl as the assistant quarterback coach with with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. And I remember having so many conversations with his father about, you know, the great football they played in that conference and the shootouts and, um, you know, the great, the great parody that there was, you know, and, and kind of Boise was the one who kind of raised everybody up. And so we know we're going to a great conference. and I love the people we're bringing along with us. A lot of like-minded people. We've just put $15 million into our facilities. Lamar has great facilities. Yeah. Abilene Christian has great facilities. Now, Stephen F. Austin hired an, uh, a um, uh, a coach that won a national championship. You bring Southern Utah in. Tarleton has great facilities. So all of a sudden, you know, you're putting together a pretty good football conference. And we think, you know, there's going to be um, some growing pains maybe the first year because we don't quite have enough teams. We're trying to figure out a schedule. Yeah. But I think the long term possibilities of this conference are incredible. Worst case, we're going to be one of the best. FCS conferences in the country. I think eventually this will be a Division I conference. And um, I think, you know, once we get in and once we kind of, you know, get our feet wet and settle in, I think you'll see us do some studies to see if, you know, going Division One is the best direction for the conference and for Sam Houston State.
0: Coach, you mentioned Delaware and even Rowan, but being at Delaware uh, and playing in, in that conference and then playing in the Southland and now looking at what's potentially there in the WAC. You said it a little bit and I want to go a little bit further with that about the strength of that conference or the potential of it and I heard you mentioned southern Utah and that and also, and it also just clicked the the number of players southern Utah has actually put into the NFL the last few years it really has the possibility of being a pretty strong FCS conference but you've been at other conferences as you look at the pieces that are there you think it really holds up against the other conferences uh, big Sky which you know obviously is going to be uh, in that area or at least part of that area with uh, connections to Utah. How do you feel overall about the strength of it going forward on it to the future?
2: Yeah, I think that's why we made the move. I think we made the move because we saw a lot of like-minded schools that wanted to make a commitment to a football conference. Yeah. And, you know, it's exciting. And when I got to to the CAA, um, you know, my Delaware team played for three national championships and won it in 2003. Villanova won a national championship. Richmond won a national championship. Yeah. James Madison won a national championship. William Mary was in the final four. Main beat, uh, I think, it was Old Miss. I mean, so that conference, top to bottom, uh, New Hampshire was in, like, 12 straight playoffs. Top to bottom, it was a war every single weekend. I see that happening in the new WAC. Yeah. I see with the commitment that all the schools I mentioned you have know, made to their facilities, and the fact that we are like-minded, that we want to have great football, I can see this really developing into uh, a great football conference.
0: I've already taken a look at that 2021 schedule. In fact, I was on a... Production meeting call with Coach Keeler and my guys Jason and Ben down at Sam Houston State on Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, and we were talking about that 2021 schedule. My goodness, holy smokes, that schedule is tough. Because they're also going to get some of the help from the Atlantic Sun to kind of help them fill out and maintain an automatic bid in 2021. So uh, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of moving parts. But tomorrow, 6 o'clock, Sam Houston State taking on southeastern Louisiana On ESPN Plus, again, 6 uh, o'clock, right there from Bauer Stadium. Looking forward to it, so check that out. All right, it's been a great show. Appreciate Mark, appreciate Coach coming by. Appreciate you guys for listening. We'll see you next time, everybody, and as always, go Texans. Texans. Texans.